You're listening to MuniCast, the podcast that discusses municipal leadership. Season three of MuniCast is brought to you by SaskTel's innovation and collaboration team. SaskTel can help you sort through the noise to create solutions that add value quickly. Whether it's reducing your environmental footprint, driving investment, community development, or just saving money, contact your SaskTel account manager to find out more. MuniCast is hosted by SUMA, the voice of Saskatchewan's hometowns. I'm Stephanie, and joining me today is Brandy Bell, Senior Policy Analyst and Secretariat of Embracing Life, Northern Engagement and Indigenous and Northern Relations, Ministry of Government Relations. Brandy has played a major role in launching the Embracing Life app, a Saskatchewan-based virtual tool to support mental wellness both for yourself and those around you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brandy. Uh, Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I wanted to start off our conversation by learning a little bit more about your work with Embracing Life. The purpose of the initiative is to reduce suicide rates in Northern communities by working together. Can you tell me a little bit more about the initiative and why it is so important to Saskatchewan youth, particularly in the North? Thank you, first of all, for having me here and for talking about Embracing Life. Embracing Life is this really cool anomaly. Um, The initiative is made up of of government, of non-government agencies, of community on the ground, youth, um, and it is really about community wellness and then suicide prevention, intervention, and postvention. And the work started about 2014 um, when, you know, leaders were really trying to find something that northern communities could link into um, that was similar in all communities. Sometimes Northern Saskatchewan gets painted with a brush of all communities being the same when they're really diverse and and geographically different. Um, And so, you know, trying to reduce suicide at the community level was something a lot of people really cared about, but they were kind of doing off the sides of their desk. Um, whether it's working in education, in kind of social services, on the ground, within communities, at friendship centers, youth centers, your wellness centers. Um, And everybody was was seeing it and connected to it. And so the initiative is really important and it's really trying to bring people together. Um, But it's just been recently in about 2019, right before the pandemic, when Embracing Life started becoming a little bit more public community facing because it was really agency based, you know, trying to find initiatives and strategies, you know, to help communities, um, you know, find hope and belonging for their, for young, young people in particular where suicide rates were, were quite high. I think you mentioned a really important point there about community wellness and the role of the community in mental well-being. Can you tell me a little bit more about what community wellness looks like? Sure. And I think that it's so broad and it's such a big term. Um, And even as a former municipal counselor, we would ask these questions as leaders in the community of, you know, what's our role? Um, And I think in Northern Saskatchewan, um, when you have remote um, and and fairly rural communities um, where maybe retention or recruitment of some of those specialized services are quite difficult, you know, what can our role be? And I think at the community level, um, it's something we've really started thinking about, um, especially, you know, in the what the pandemic brought us. 
right? Iso more isolation than some of our remote communities had felt. Um, and community wellness really looking at kind of the well-being of all of its citizens. Physically, whether that's paths and parks and, and places to, to congregate and get together. Um, are there those safe, courageous spaces for people um, libraries, um, youth centers, places for people to go. And what's our role in mental wellness? What could mental wellness look like? Whether it's access to services, whether it's access to, you know, paths and parks and lakes and rivers and streams, or just really great information to connect people, which is where Embracing Life has really stepped in. And what would you say is one of the easiest ways that people can find resources in their communities to support mental well-being, whether it's a formal support or something like finding the paths and walkways. No, thank you, Stephanie. I think always checking in with our communities, our, our towns, our First Nations across the province. Saskatchewan has so much amazing outdoor space to offer. Um, and for a lot of people, whether that's exercise, whether that's just going for a walk, you know, listening to music and trying to collect ourselves. I think that's something that um, as Saskatchewan people, we, we don't do enough of, or we do enough of in the spring and summer, but we, we definitely might not in the winter. Um, but really is, is Google, like research. Uh, there are lots of communities, and I know even our rem remote and rural communities throughout our province, there are services that are offered throughout the province. Um, something we don't talk enough about in our province is 811. I think 811 really gained popularity with COVID. That's where you'd call. But if we're in distress, 811 is a place we can call that will patch us into direct help immediately. Um, but something we're really excited about, Stephanie, is the Embracing Life Initiative, working with young people and youth mentors who work directly with youth um, created an app um, for Saskatchewan um, in the middle of a pandemic um, that really tried to reach out to things of, um, in Montreal, I was at a, the National Suicide Prevention Conference. And Dr. Brian Mishera, he is the leading researcher for the Mental Health Commission of Canada. And he really talked about community role and he it really sparked some some really great conversation because when we think about who we reach out to um, regular people who are going through a difficult time going through a, dif a difficult problem at work or with our spouse or with friends or family or ourselves you know whatever our issue may be is we reach out to our friends and family first we reach out to our circle people who are important to us and a lot of times the people who are important to us might not have the tools or the skills or, you know, the wherewithal to deal with something, especially if it gets down to as far as, you know, thoughts of suicide. And so we really wanted to kind of take that information, working with frontline workers, working with mental health, working with young people to see what do we need. And so the Embracing Life Initiative created an app. That is, you know, how can I help myself? How can I build resiliency? How can I protect myself, safeguard, create a safety plan, check in with myself, practice gratitude, reflect all of these wonderful things that I think we, when we talk about self-care, we need to do more of. 
And the second piece was, how can I help somebody I know is having a hard time? What are great things to say? What are resources once I feel like I'm out of my depth? Um, You know, how do I talk about suicide? And what can that look like? Um, And some of the feedback, Stephanie, that's come back has been incredible from teachers, from parents, from friends, from just creating a comfortability of being able to really talk about our mental health in a non-judgmental kind of empathetic, caring way. And I really think that that is the path that community can take is just creating more opportunities for regular people to have rich conversations to support each other. That is really incredible um, that an an app could be so supportive for helping push forward community supports and helping communities and members within the community just feel a little bit more capable of dealing with some of those um, challenges that come up. You know what? That's a great word. And I think that in some of the feedback when we were building this app, the app took about 14 months. And in building it, we always wanted to go back and check in. Is this what you mean? Is this what you wanted um, to create? Because we wanted to make sure it was useful. And we really wanted to make sure we, we hit the mark. And with that, we talked to a lot of people. Like, why don't you ask about suicide? Oh, I don't, I don't want to ask. I don't, what, what if I put it into their head and give them that idea and, and kind of myth busting some of those pieces going, you know, really um, in, in my um, experience as a crisis responder, as somebody who teaches suicide prevention training, creating that space to have conversations about, you know, somebody's deepest fears um, has really created platforms. Um, and a lot of people don't want to do it because they don't feel capable and they just need a little reassurance, even to the point of, I could have my phone in my hand and say, Hey, I downloaded this app, Stephanie. I'd really like to just walk you through this piece. There's chat bubbles that kind of help give me hints of what I can say moving forward to really try to support someone. And we're not asking people to, I'm, I'm not a counselor, and we're not asking people to become counselors. Um, we're, in, in a lot of ways, put in these positions already with our spouses and our friends and our children and what that could look like. What if we had meaningful conversations that were really helpful, um, that we could maybe help, you know, stop somebody from having to call 911 or attempt suicide or need more support, um, kind of getting, you know, it off their chest in early stages. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, even if people aren't opening up that conversation, there's a very good chance that at some point in our life, we're all going to come across somebody who's needing some of that extra support. And that app gives a, a really helpful tool for that. So where can people access the app and is it available to everybody? You bet. Thank you. It is on in the App Store. It is on Google. Right now, we're really working on creating stuff um, because people have been asked. So we've created a QR code. Um, You can follow us. um, Embracing Life um, has a website. 
They're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The QR code is there to download the app. So uh, for Android products, um, it is in the, the Google store and then the Apple store for iPhones. It is free um, and it is available across the province. And just to give a quick plug, um, Embracing Life Initiative is a, a northern strategy um, and, and has been for some time. But the Saskatoon Kinsmen had heard what we were doing. And they have given us $50,000 to make sure that Embracing Life was capable of making the app provincial. So this app is meant to be for Saskatchewan. Um, it has been downloaded in already 126 Saskatchewan communities. We are really working to kind of promote this and have opportunities for the app to be, you know, on every Saskatchewan's phone um, and hopefully across the country. Across the province, SASTEL is engaged with many different municipal organizations who seek to innovate. Contact your SASTEL account manager to learn more about some of these initiatives and how they can help your municipality today. That's incredible. Well, good luck to you and thank you for creating a resource that will be so helpful to Saskatchewan people. Our 811 is a great service to patch us directly into some of the formal supports. And what Embracing Life does is help natural supports help people to get there. Can you tell me a little bit more about what natural supports are and how people can identify who the natural supports are in their in their circles? Thank you, Stephanie. Natural supports is you know, is our circle, you know, it, it's a term that we really wanted to try to go, okay, when we're looking at community wellness, and we're looking at, you know, some communities have, they don't have a clinic, they don't have an RCMP station, um, they're dependent on community members, first responders, ambulances could be, you know, 45 minutes to three hours away. Um, you know, some of the situations with the rural and remoteness of our province, people have to be really resilient and dependent on each other. And so we were, you know, who do we depend on naturally um, in our life? And that's what natural supports are, um, is, is kind of our circle. In some communities that maybe, or urban settings, that could be just your family and friends and your, your workplace or, you know, where we congregate. You know, I find in smaller, more rural or remote communities, you know, that could extend to neighbors and your co-op cashiers and, you know, your people who are involved in your kids' lives, in your lives, you know, teachers and coaches, um, you know, faith-based supports, you know, anywhere we can find wonderful support, I think, you know, is should be and, and is considered a natural support. And so with natural supports, that's who we really wanted to focus for the app. But in the app, we all also, in our natural supports, have stuff going on. So if Stephanie, you and I were talking and I was going through a really difficult time and you were going through a really difficult time, sometimes that works where we could support each other, but we could also reach out to others. And so the other piece about the Embracing Life app is lots of resources from crisis text lines, 2811, hope for wellness, and really tried to go through and look at what else could be community supports. Um, and the second part of, of that piece of your question is, 
one of the things that I find that after coming out of, and I, I want to say coming out of, I don't think the pandemic is over, but, you know, wherever people see themselves in this new kind of normal that we're facing is just the amazing importance of volunteerism in community. Um, and I think we've lost some of that, whether that's related to the pandemic or how busy lives have got. Um, but for those youth or those people who might not have natural supports or not a lot of, say, healthy adults in their life. Um, that's who who youth and, and others depend on is, is natural supports that they'll see at school. Adults volunteering in community, whether that's through, you know, local initiatives of, of Elks or Kinsmen or cadets, you know, coaching volleyball, coaching football, you know, beating classes, yoga, swimming, all of those lovely things, cultural dance, um, cultural camps. If we don't have adults volunteering their time and being involved in those spaces, there are some youth out there who don't have the ability to have healthy adults in their life to be able to create that natural support of someone that they could look up to, right? Because we know that natural supports are more than just that reach out for help. There are cheerleaders. They empower us. They challenge us and push us and, you know, hopefully make us see more in us than we see in ourselves. You know, I know it was the case for me. I definitely didn't come from um, healthy parents um, or, or have a healthy home life, but I had amazing coaches and volunteers and adults in my life um, that helped me see that there is more. Um, and I think that's a really important thing um, for us at the community level. I agree that that's so valuable and our natural supports extend everywhere. I know teachers and schools have been a big one and those coaches, like you mentioned, they are, they see children and other adults all the time. And they are someone that people look up to, to for support, whether they see themselves in that way or not. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, you, you think about the, the hours that we spend, you know, adults in your workplace and children in school, you know, we add up those hours you know, we sometimes spend more time with our coworkers than we do our spouse and family. Those relationships that we build um, are really meaningful. And so making sure that they're healthy in good ways, especially for our youth, making sure they have good mental stability and community wellness and a sense of that self-care at an early age. Absolutely. And something else that you mentioned in some of our conversations leading up to our, our talk today was the value of listening without judgment. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how you've seen it support healing? Yeah, sure. Um, and to be honest, it's it's funny. As, you know, I'm a pretty extroverted person. And, you know, listening without judgment, I has always have always said, it's easy. You know, you have two ears, one mouth, use them in proportion to each other, right? Listen twice as much as you talk. Now, as you can see, that's probably something difficult for me. Um, and I think when we, when we, we're natural, humans are natural helpers. We want to help. We want to support. And a lot of times that ends up being in advice giving. It ends up being in, you know, hey, Stephanie, no, you know, look, look at how beautiful your life is. You know what? I bet you if you just you know, sucked it up a little bit and moved on, you'd be fine. And, you know, 20 years ago, I would have thought that could have been helpful advice, cheerleading along the way and advice giving. And 
you know, it's what I've realized and, and through reading and research and, and creating this app, it's not helpful. And so listening without judgment is actually a, a, a skill that we need to practice. Um, a lot of times, and I think, you know, when we're those listening and, and for you and me, when we have a problem and we're trying to wrap our heads around it, everything is very internal. We think about it, we stress about it, we worry about it, we cry about it, we're angry about it. Um, and a lot of times we don't want to share for fear of being judged. We don't want to share um, because you're not sure. And I don't know if anybody out there or Stephanie, for you yourself, you finally have a friend who's willing to listen. There's not a lot of commentary. They just want to hear my story. Give me an opportunity to share. And as I'm talking, in a lot of cases, this is the first time that these words have been said out loud, that I've even said them out loud. And, you know, my brain is going and, and having someone listen in an empathetic way to say, you know, thank you for sharing, or that was really brave and asking open-ended questions back, not saying, oh, I had a similar situation or, oh, I understand when we don't understand because some of those things end up being what we call door closers, right? It's a turnoff where I'm like, okay, you know what? They don't get it maybe this is stupid. And it's all that negative self-talk again. But if we can create situations where, you know what, tell me more about that. Or how did that make you feel? Or what are your expectations of me? I just want you to listen. The pressure's off. I don't actually have to do any of the heavy lifting. Let the person who's feeling the feelings do the heavy lifting. And we're just that support whether it's a hug or we're just listening, we're asking questions because a lot of times it's the first time somebody's had an opportunity to even hear themselves say these thoughts out loud. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that we don't necessarily always think about. We have these natural lines that we come to, but we're sometimes not even listening before bringing, bringing up that conversation and saying those things. So it, it, it can be very challenging to do. No, you're right. There's lots of times that we're actually, oh God, oh God, you know, trying to, what do I say? So we're trying to think about what we're going to say and we kind of stop that piece. So it's really just grounding ourselves in the conversation, be focused, be attentive. And we don't have to worry about what we need to say. We don't because we don't actually have to say anything. You know, I've always, you know, there's some really great resources out there for kind of, you know, searching uh, 50 most open-ended questions or so. And I always have two or three um, that I just carry with me that I think are great. And when I don't know what to say, and I'm just there with somebody who's going through a rough time, like, tell me more about that. That's a really good point that you brought up too, is sometimes it's not about what we say. It's just about being there and actually listening and hearing that person. So that brings me to the end of the questions that I had for you today, but I did just want to give you an opportunity to share anything else that you may think would be valuable to municipal leadership in Saskatchewan. You know, I just, being a municipal leader, a mayor, counselor, it is, it is a tough job and it's balancing, you know, your vision and, and support for community members, for citizens. Um, and mental health has been a really big space. 
And I think that if we, you know, and I know that when we look at, you know, clinicians or, or with the pandemic, the amount of kind of mental health um, awareness and mental health pieces that we're hearing about, right? It's something that you, you don't go a day without hearing. It's just really thinking back to simplicity spaces and neighbors supporting neighbors and community supporting community. And I know that, you know, from a community perspective, you know, a lack of resources and a lack of peace uh, of, of space, uh, you know, infrastructure, there's lots of things that leaders have to worry about. But when we break things down and we really just want to take care of our community, um, you know, Dr. Darian Thera had said community is the medicine. And I really believe that, that grassroots space where we're most comfortable, where we're most at home. And so for that, I just say to municipal leaders to really remember that your community and the, the community that we shape and that we create as citizens or taxpayers or volunteers is something that we're in control of. And so being able to have um, opportunities to create those really healthy relationships and listening skills, I just think is, is wonderful. And sometimes we forget that that could be a resource. You know, we're always thinking um, of those professional spaces and just, you know, our community is a resource. Thank you so much, Brandy. That was such a good point that community is one of our most valuable resources. And I think municipal leaders, especially going into into municipal leadership in smaller communities are really aware of that. And so this is a good way to just tie that back into, into working with the people around you. Exactly. And, you know, with that, download the Embracing Life app, <laughs> uh, you know, QR codes all around Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, check it out. And we would love your feedback. Uh, the website as well, um, embracinglifesk.ca. Um, if you check it out, feedback, because this, this app, we want to be a, an amazing resource for the people of Saskatchewan. And, you know, we keep telling ourselves it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so we want phase two, we want to make it better, we want to make it current, we want to make sure it's accessible. Um, and we'd love to hear from the people of Saskatchewan. So thank you so much for the opportunity, Stephanie. And thank you so much for joining me today, Brandy. I really appreciated having this conversation and hearing more of your insights and experiences um, and what you've been seeing for communities throughout Saskatchewan. Thank you. This brings us to the end of another episode of MuniCast. Thank you for tuning into season three. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy having these conversations. 